So we just want to, um, I hope that your heart is beginning to loosen up a little bit and relax and just, just want to let go. If you fall asleep, I will not be offended. So why don't we just take a, let's take a deep breath. We may just take a deep breath. We're in the presence of Jesus. He is truly here. It's a beautiful story I like to tell um, in adoration of a friend of mine that um, she grew up really, really poor in the city of Pittsburgh. And uh, she grew up so poor that um, they didn't often have heat in the winter. And so they would, her mom would turn the oven on and they'd all sleep in the kitchen, on the kitchen floor just to kind of kind of get the heat. And uh, she said she never had a dress as a little girl. Apparently for you guys, that's a big deal. <laughs> and uh, she said, unbeknownst to her one day, her um, her dad worked at the it worked at the mills in Pittsburgh, saved up some money, and her mom was a great seamstress and bought her a dress or bought the thread for her mom to sew her a dress. And she said it wasn't any special day. It was like a Tuesday morning or something like that. And uh, she was like starting to get ready for school and her mom brought her into their bedroom and gave her this dress. And she just, you know, burst into tears and put the dress on and her mom was fussing over and she was just so happy but she said her mom could tell she just wanted to go show her dad you know and her dad would always sit in the kitchen reading the newspaper drinking his coffee before he left for work and so sure enough her mom said to her go, go to your father just go down to your father and she said she this is like 30 years later she's telling me this story she just ran down the stairs and she started to run over to her father to show her this dress with the frills and all the And her dad turned and, and saw her and just said, oh, honey, just stop. He said, just stand there and let me look at you. Just stand there and let me look at you. And she says, 30 years later, she can still experience her father's gaze of love on her. Just gazing in this affirming love upon her, this look of delight and joy. And she knew even at that young age, it wasn't the dress. She could have came in rags, that, that it was her that her dad's gaze of love, it, it went to her, it went to her heart. So let's just, go ahead, just close your eyes. Let's just experience, just experience Jesus' gaze of love upon you. Just stand there and let me look at you. The delight of my heart. 
You're the apple of my eye. Precious and glorious in my sight. So Jesus, we just, we thank you for your presence here, Lord, and we, we trust in you. You're taking us, Jesus, from slavery into freedom. And we need you now, Lord. Uh, I'm so poor. And these, these ladies need you, Jesus, not me. So just ask you, Lord. Just bless them. We ask you to come, Holy Spirit. Come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, your well-beloved spouse. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Jesus, what he wants to do is give us a new relationship with reality. That's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to give us a new relationship with reality because that's the bigger change. You're going to go home from here. Your job's still going to be your job. Your boss is still going to be your boss. Your husband's still going to be your husband, unfortunately. You're just kidding. <laughs> He's not going to have lost 20 pounds and grown hair, all right? So the circumstances of your life probably won't change. Most often, Jesus doesn't change our circumstances. Most often, what Jesus wants to do is he wants to change us in our circumstances and give us a new relationship to our reality. That's the greater miracle. The greater miracle is not that you go home and everything is ordered perfectly. See, we get caught up in our prayer often in, in asking God to change things. Change my son and make him faithful. Get him to go to church. Change my work situation. Even change me and make me more patient. And those are all wonderful. Those are good prayers, right? Good prayers. But Jesus wants to do a greater miracle. He wants to transform us like we've been saying interiorly, inwardly, so he gives us a new relationship with the reality we have. That's what he did with the apostles. We'll talk about that later tonight. You guys have amusement parks here, right? Like Disney World or something like that, Universal Studios. We have one back in Pittsburgh called Kennywood, right? It's, it's really small, but we think it's a big deal. And uh, when you go to Kennywood, imagine, imagine a little kid at Kennywood. Right? I was with my little I was with my little niece, Mary Kate, in Kennywood one time, and she had cotton candy in her one hand, and big, you know, it was bigger than her. And uh, she was holding my hand, and she looked up at me. She said, I love you, Uncle Joe. <laughs> I said, we're at Kennywood, and you have cotton candy. Of course you love me right now, right? <laughs> now imagine a little kid at Kennywood holding his mom's hand and his dad's hand. Or Universal Studios and little kid, and there's so many people around, and there's so much excitement, right? And you go past a roller coaster, and whoa, it roars by, right? But the kid's not afraid. Why is the kid not afraid? Because he's got a mom and dad, right? And he goes past the, the place to eat, and there's all these people coming and going, right? But the kid's just loving it all. And the more people, and the more things, and the more lights, it's really, really exciting, right? Now imagine that same child lost in that amusement park. Now when that child goes past that roller coaster and that roller coaster thunders by 
Is that child excited anymore? No, the child's terrified and scared, right? And the, the, the people are coming and going and they go past the food thing. And I think that's how most of us live. Do you see what changed there? Did the reality change? No, the reality didn't change. The roller coaster was a roller coaster. The people were the people. The amusement park was the amusement park. The only thing that changed was that this child's faith, its, it's grasping of its parents' hands. That's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to give us a new relationship with the reality. He didn't change the roller coaster or the people. He changed the, the presence. That's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to change us from the inside out, give us a new relationship with reality. Not so much change our realities, but we always pray, Jesus, change our realities. No, I want to change you. I want to change you. That's what, that's what Jesus wants to do for us. So I want to talk about forgiveness now. And I want to start using, um, I guess, the most famous parable on forgiveness, the parable of the prodigal son, right? And then I'll talk about forgiveness of self, forgiveness of others, and then talk about a reconciliation with, with God. So you guys know the, uh, the parable of the prodigal son well, obviously. So I won't read it, but it, it's, it's the greatest parable on forgiveness and probably the best known parable that there is. And it starts off, the reason that Jesus tells the parable is just as important as the telling itself. And the reason that Jesus tells a parable is in Luke chapter 15, 1. It says this, The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. And the scribes and Pharisees began to complain, saying, This man eats with tax collectors and sinners. See, they got God wrong. The way that we imagine God is the way that we relate to him. And so we have, if we have the wrong image of God in our minds, we're not going to be able to relate to him properly. The reason that Jesus tells the parable is that they had got God wrong. They said, you can't be from God. Because if you were from God, you wouldn't be hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. And as we said this morning at Mass, right? As I said this morning at Mass, that's exactly who we came for. So what Jesus was saying is, oh, guys, you've got God wrong. You've got God wrong. He wants to correct their image of God. So he tells this parable. He says, this is what your dad's like. This is what the father's like. He said, a man had two sons, and the younger son came to the father, and he says, Father, give me the share of my inheritance. Now, that's the greatest insult that a son could give to a father. Why? When do you get your inheritance? When the parent dies. So what the son was saying is, Dad, I wish you were dead. Maybe some of you have had that said to you. Mom, Dad, I wish you were dead. Wish I had different parents. So he says to the dad, Give me my, the share of my inheritance early. And the father gives it to him, right? The father leaves us free. So the son takes the share of his inheritance, right? And it says it goes off to a far distant land. But in Greek, it's so much more telling. In Greek, it says he goes off to what's called the koromakra. That's the scripture most of the New Testament was written in Greek. And the koromakra doesn't just mean a far distant land. The koromakra is the barren, deserted wasteland. That's the only, when we leave the Father, that's the only place we could go. Why? Because the Father is pure joy, pure love, pure life himself. And so every time we leave the Father, there's only one place we can go. It's the Koromakra, the barren, deserted wasteland. And so that's where he goes to do what? To try and find life and joy and happiness, forgetting that it's back with his dad. 
That's what I did, like I told you in college. I went off. I tried to find happiness. I tried to find joy somewhere other than God, right? And it's amazing detail. It says that he spent all of his money trying to find happiness. And he was starving. Of course he was starving. Because the only one who could feed him was back home. The one who could feed him was back home. And it said he was so hungry, he longed to eat the pods that the swine fed on, but nobody gave him any. You know what that means? It means he had become a pig himself. It doesn't just mean he was really hungry. It means as he gave himself over to all those things, he had become animalistic. And here's the beautiful moment. It says, coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough to eat? Get up and go back to my father. I'm going to get up and go back to my father. That's the moment of conversion. That's the moment that has to happen in our hearts. I'm going to get up and go back to my father. And so remember what he does. He starts on his way back to his father, and he's rehearsing his apology. Look, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I never dissolved. So he's rehearsing his apology. And it says this. While he was still a long way off, the father caught sight of him. You know what that means? It means the father was looking for him. Imagine the father up on like the second deck, overlooking all of his fields, overlooking all of his farms, right? And just hoping beyond hope, maybe today, maybe today my son will come back to me. Maybe on this retreat, my daughter will come back to me. Maybe on Saturday afternoon, maybe at the four o'clock, maybe that's the time that she'll fully come back to me. That she'll give me my, her heart. That she'll, she'll give me access to the heart. Maybe that's the time. Imagine the other son saying to the dad, Dad, he's not coming back. Just give up. And the father won't even hit. No, 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 no. He might come back today. And then one day he sees him. He sees the son. He sees you here. I need you to stop imagining that your father's mad at you. I need you to stop imagining that he's angry with you. That's not him. He's not looking at you disappointed. He's not looking upset at you. He's not looking at you like you look at yourself as a failure or a bad mom. Those are all the things that we rejected. He's looking at you with love like my friend's dad was looking at her. Just stand there and let me look at you. Let me gaze upon you. And that's what we most long for. But because we have this image of him looking at us like this, we can never receive his gaze of love. And all he's doing is like, no, that's not me. That's not me. I remember one time I committed a sin. I mean, I commit a lot of sins, I guess. <laughs> one time. And I was in the chapel and I was beating myself up. Can you relate to that? Just beating myself up. And I wasn't praying in the chapel. I was beating myself up. And I heard God say to me, Joe, he doesn't call me father. 
He said, Joe, the God you think I am, I am not. See, what I've been doing was condemning myself and beating myself up and not loving myself and looking at myself harshly. And I put what I was feeling onto God and imagine he must be looking at, like, like that at me too. If I see myself this way, he doesn't see you like you see you. He sees you like I see you. You see how much love I have for you? I don't even know you. This is how he sees you. I was praying all afternoon for you. I didn't sleep at all. I lied. Because <laughs> I, it's like, I just, wanna, I just want you to know how much he loves you. So the, the father doesn't make the son grovel. He's not interested in gro you groveling before him. In fact, the father does what? He gets up and he runs to the son. Remember, he runs to the son. And in Jewish times, this is what we need to get with the scriptures. The, the elder never ran to the son. But this father doesn't care. He's reckless. He flies from Pittsburgh to California on a five and a half hour flight just to tell you he loves you. That's me, if you didn't get that look at you right there. I mean, not that I'm really suffering here, let's be honest. I got here and they had like a cheesecake that was the size of my... You guys aren't getting cheesecake? <laughs> he runs to the son. The father runs to you. Just run. This is him running to you. The sisters. They've consecrated their entire lives. They wear habits in 110 degree weather in the summers. That's the father running to you. Will you see that when you see those sisters? The only reason that they, the only reason I'm here is because the father wanted to run to you. That's the only reason, there's no other reason. They're nuns. Because the father said, I need to embrace, that's it. That's the father running to you, just ran to you. And remember what he does, right? The son starts to get out the apology, right? I have sinned against heaven and against you. And what's the father do? It's almost like he doesn't even hear him. Put the robe around him. Put sandals on his feet. Put a ring on his finger. Slaughtered the fattened calf. This son of mine was lost and he's been found. He was dead and he's come back to life. There were two people upset that the son came home. The other son and the fatted calf. <laughs> That's your dad. Jesus, teach us how to pray. When you pray, say, Abba. Jesus, teach us how to pray. When you pray, say, Abba. Father, Do you know, you've heard this a thousand times. That word Abba in Aramaic, it's more like daddy. It's more like daddy than it is father. Abba. Abba, Father. Just close your eyes. Let's just stay with that for a second. Just softly to yourself. Just say that. Just say Abba. Just say to your Father, Abba, Father.
So the Father loves you. And he's forgiven you. And he wants to give you the ability to forgive. He loves you. And he's forgiven you. And he wants to give you the ability to forgive. So we did the renunciations this morning. Another block of the heart to fully receiving and being reconciled to the Father, to fully experiencing his embrace, is forgiveness. C.S. Lewis has one of the best quotes on loving and forgiveness and vulnerability. He says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. You women, your hearts. Oh. To love at all is to be vulnerable. You know this better than us. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. You've had your hearts broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give it to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it round carefully with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. So we've been hurt, right? Who have you been hurt by? Everyone. Your moms and your dads and your brothers and your sisters, your aunts and your uncles, the church, your priests. Nobody can hurt you like your own children, your kids. We've all been hurt, and so we have to forgive, right? What is forgiveness? Let's just talk about what it's not. Forgiveness is not saying what this person did to me is okay. Forgiveness is not, does not mean I will have good feelings about the person who hurt me. Feelings aren't sins, ladies. Feelings are not sins. Forgiveness doesn't mean we're going to be perfectly reconciled and now we'll have a friendship. Forgiveness is laying down the right that I have to resent you. That's what forgiveness is. It's I have a right to resent you because what you did to me, and I'm taking that right and laying it down. Here's an example. This is Father Richard Varis. He says, a longtime friend yelled at me because I had said something that touched a nerve and set him off. His reaction was over the top and unjustifiable. The next day, I expected a phone call of apology. Would I yell back? Would I offer a half-hearted forgiveness? Would I feed on some juicy resentment? How many times had I yelled or snapped or hurt people simply because they caught me at the wrong time and in the wrong mood? I picked up the phone and called my friend and said, about last night, it was not a big deal. He thanked me and we spoke briefly. Here's the key. After we hung up, I realized I had just thrown away my superiority, my power, my right to resentment. And I walked out of prison a free man. That's what forgiveness is. It's walking out of prison a free man, a free woman. Where does the power to forgive come from? It comes from the cross. Jesus being crucified his mother also being spit upon and mocked. And what does he say? 
Father, destroy them? No. Father, forgive them. The ability, our ability to forgive comes from that place right there. Comes from knowing how much we've been forgiven. One of the mistakes we make is we contemplate the hurt. And we contemplate the hurt. And we mull over the hurt. And we think about the hurt. This is also something you women are very good at, right? It's like so many times I've talked to husbands and they leave in the morning and everything is great. And then the mulling starts. <laughs> and then they come back in the house about 5 p.m. and it's like, hi, honey. It's like, boom, <laughs> what happened? Thought everything was okay, right? We contemplate the hurt, and we think about the hurt, and we grind on the hurt, and we soak in the hurt. And it doesn't help forgiveness at all. The power to forgive comes from the cross. So, I just want to go through some forgiveness with you guys, okay? So we're going to do the same thing, how we did renunciations. In the name of Jesus, I renounce. But instead today, and this time, we're going to do, in the name of Jesus, I forgive, okay? Can you do the music, sisters? Possibly. If not, I can just sing under myself. So go ahead and close your eyes. And we're going to start with families and friends. First people we have to forgive are other people. And some of the things I'm going to say are going to apply to you, and some of the things I'm going to say won't apply to you. So just ask you to come, Holy Spirit. I know that forgiveness is so key to experiencing your love for us. So just repeat after me, sisters. In the name of Jesus, I forgive my dad for the times when he wasn't there for me. For not affirming me, for rejecting me. In the name of Jesus, I forgive my father for any times that he's hurt me. In the name of Jesus, I forgive my dad for not being the dad I needed him to be. In the name of Jesus, I forgive my dad. Now you just take a little bit of time to yourselves and just, if there's any hurt with your dad, just softly, you wanna do it out loud, but not, not too loud, just in the name of Jesus, I forgive my dad for the time that he looked at me so harshly. Holy Spirit, just ask you to bring anything to mind. Just wanna say, even if it's something that seems so small, you just wanna say the prayer in the name of Jesus, I forgive my father for 
parents were divorced, you just want to say in the name of Jesus, I forgive my dad for divorcing my mom. It's regardless, irregardless of the circumstances, we just need to forgive. Jesus, I forgive my dad for the times. Just as you're forgiving your father, you just want to, you just want to let go. Just want to let, let it come out of the heart. to our moms you can just repeat after me for the first few in the name of Jesus I forgive my mother for belittling me for being harsh to me in the name of Jesus I forgive my mom for any times that she hurt me for not being the mom that I needed her to be. So you just want to take a little time and just want to whisper out loud. If there's any specific times it comes to your mind or your heart where your mom hurt you, This doesn't mean that you don't love your mother when you forgive her. It just means that things came to you that wounded you. In the name of Jesus, I forgive my mom for looking at me the way she looked at me. You want to forgive her for any harsh words that you remember her saying to you. In the name of Jesus, I forgive my mother. Just want to feel the heart becoming free. As you let go, this is your freedom, ladies. forgive my siblings. You can just say out softly what you need to forgive your siblings for. In the name of Jesus, I forgive my siblings for my sister for not being there for me when I needed her. My brother causing division in the family. In the name of Jesus, I forgive my sister 
just want to get it all out, all the forgiveness. This is your heart beginning to expand to be capable of receiving his love. Just repeat after me in the name of Jesus. I forgive my friends. There's a specific friend or a hurt in the name of Jesus, I forgive Jan for the time that she in the name of Jesus I forgive just want to whisper it softly to yourself out loud in the name of Jesus I forgive my friend I'll just give you a minute again in the name of Jesus I forgive and just fill in the blank I'll just pray to the Holy Spirit if anybody comes to your mind or a particular hurt comes to your mind your husband's in the name of Jesus I forgive my husband for being unfaithful in the name of Jesus, I forgive my husband for not respecting me, not loving me, for embarrassing me in front of the children, for abandoning me. For making me feel like a terrible wife. In the name of Jesus, I forgive my husband doesn't mean that you don't have a good husband. doesn't mean that you don't love your husband. In the name of Jesus, I forgive my husband. So I've been a priest 11 years. I think the thing that most blocks people from receiving the love of God is self-hatred, self-condemnation, and holding, holding on to hurts against oneself. We beat ourselves up a lot, especially you women, especially with your husbands and with your children. A lot of self-beating. We don't love ourselves, like I said, and so it's hard to imagine God loving us. One of the names of the evil one is Hosatanas. Satan means the accuser. So he accuses you, and then you pal on and beat yourself up. You're not perfect mothers. You're not perfect wives. And that is totally okay. You've made mistakes. You have. I've made a lot of mistakes as a priest. Boy. Gotta be able to forgive ourselves. 
a nun walking on the beach one time, having a lot of trouble forgiving herself. Sounds like a joke, but it's not. And uh, she's just beating herself up, beating herself up about this sin. And she was walking along the beach and a wave splashed and a drop hit her on the arm. She heard God say, now look at that drop. She looked at the drop and he said, now flick that drop back into the ocean. And she flicked it back in the ocean. And God said, now you go find that drop of water in the ocean. She said, God, I never find that drop in the ocean. She said, well, why do you keep looking for your sin in the ocean of my mercy? Why do you keep frantically splashing around the water, the ocean of my mercy, as if you're going to find, it's gone. See, God lets it go, but we don't. I work a little bit in the deliverance ministry, the exorcism ministry, just a little bit. I'm not the exorcist or anything like that. When you confess a sin, the demons, they don't know it. Really. That's why I always go to confession right before I go to these things. Because if not, they'll bring it up in front of everybody. <laughs> it's gone. So we're going to go through from some self-forgiveness, right? He lets go, but we can't. I was talking to my sister on the phone the other day. She was beating herself up. She's five kids under 12 years old. Thank you, she'd appreciate that. <laughs> you imagine how much she beats, oh. She called me, Joe, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe, she smacked her son on the bum or something like that a little too hard and he cried and it's like, Ann, don't worry about it. Just pay for the therapy. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> She's beating herself up, but you got, you, it's hard. She said, I can't believe I did that. I finally said, Ann, you did it. You did it. Believe it. You're capable of smacking your son's bum that hard. You did it. We can never get over our sins if we don't accept the fact that we committed them. Our weaknesses or our faults, I did it. It's okay, I did it, I admit it. Mercy, cover me in your mercy. It's pride to keep saying, I can't believe I did that, I can't believe I did that. You did it, you did it. You're capable of going that low. And I am too, but for the grace of God, right? There go us. So let's just do self. Go ahead and close your eyes. Just repeat after me in the name of Jesus. I forgive myself. You can just fill in the blank. Jesus, I forgive myself. I just want to say it softly out loud. In the name of Jesus, I forgive myself. Just want to say it, lady, just release it. In the name of Jesus, I forgive myself. Release it. Release it. In the name of Jesus, I forgive myself. Maybe it's really big. Maybe it's big to you. It's not big to God. I don't 
unfaithfulness to your spouse, abortion, it's He can forgive it all. He has forgiven it all. Maybe it's smaller. Maybe it has something to do with your kids. In the name of Jesus, I forgive myself. Maybe you wish that you would have raised them more in the faith than you tried, but it didn't work, or maybe you didn't try. You came to the faith late. I just want to forgive yourself. In the name of Jesus, I forgive myself. In the name of Jesus, I forgive myself. I just want to whisper it out loud. So the last little thing that we want to do is um, just some reconciliation with God. Right? So we don't have to forgive God. Why don't we have to forgive God? Because he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> yeah, God is not asking for our forgiveness because he doesn't need it. And God exists in, in truth. He's only truth. But like I said in my own life, my experience of God was not that he was loving and good because he allowed me to suffer with crippling anxiety for 30 years. I was on a retreat in Assisi in Italy and someone was praying with me like this and something really nasty came out of my heart when this person who was praying with me told me how much God loved me. It was dark. That was the moment I realized I had I just harbored so much resentment towards him. So much resentment. So maybe things haven't worked out in your life like you'd hoped. Maybe you've been praying for something for 30 years or 10 or 15 years and, it's, and it hasn't been answered. So you don't have to forgive God because he loves you and he knows what's best for you. But we want to repent for holding on to anger against him. We want to repent. Repent means to turn away, to even let that go. It's the heart becoming free. So go ahead and close your eyes. And just repeat, in the name of Jesus, I repent for being angry with God. In the name of Jesus, I repent of holding on to resentments toward God. In the name of Jesus, I repent for keeping my heart closed to God. In the name of Jesus, I repent for putting God on the judgment seat and finding him guilty. In the name of Jesus, I repent for believing the lie that God is not good, that God is not loving, that God is not merciful. In the name of Jesus, I repent and I ask forgiveness for believing the lie that my father is not good, 
So Jesus, we just thank you for this time. Just thank you for freeing our hearts, for continuing to lead us into greater and greater freedom, greater ability to receive and be open to your love. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence in the Eucharist. Just rain down, Lord, rain down your love upon our hearts. Gently, like the dewfall. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.